from CNU 23 in Dallas, this is the Strong Towns Podcast. Uh, hey everybody, Chuck Marone back, CNU 23 in Dallas. Uh, I have across the table from me someone who, who doesn't, doesn't probably, uh, know the level of infatuation that I've had with her and her work and everything about her, but I'll, I'll just acknowledge it right off the bat. Hazel Boris, welcome to the, uh, to the Strong Towns podcast. You're entirely too kind. No, I'm not. I, you, you don't, the thing is, you don't remember when we met. Now, now this is starting to get really sappy right off the bat. <laughs> You don't know when we met, but I have the day marked on. <laughs> no, we, I, I came to, and it was in, uh, it was in Miami, uh, the smart code conference. And this was like back in 04 or something like that. Yeah. And I came, and of course you were a speaker. I, I, I was blown away by the whole experience. Um, but I, you know, I just kept to myself. I didn't talk. You and I actually talked just briefly. But yeah, I, I remember thinking this is this is this topic is the most amazing thing ever. Uh, th- this is all amazing, and I remember thinking you, I, I, I like you, you do an amazing job, and I have to admit, thank you. And now, see, this is now me talking in the podcast. <laughs> it's supposed to be about you talking, but I'm I'm pouring. This is about me. <laughs> I'm confessing. Uh, there were there were times at like subsequent CNUs, like I remember in Atlanta. Just sitting, and I was working in a spot, and I was watching you because what what you do better than anybody else that I've seen is uh, connect with people. Uh, you guys do a lot of coding at placemakers. You do charrettes. You do some real high level planning stuff that is hard and difficult to explain to people. And I've watched you explain it to people in ways that I, nobody else does. It is, it is a gift that you have. Oh, thank you. So I come from a, a family of great storytellers, so that's probably why. It's all about my mom and dad. Okay, okay. Well, and Steve's your brother. I, he's two <laughs> podcasts ago. We chatted with him a little bit. And Susan Henderson's my sister. And Susan Henderson's there your sister. Yeah. So you have a, this wonderful family. <laughs> Before we get too far into this, talk about you live in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Manitoba, the coldest city of its size on earth. What is it like to have grown up in Alabama, right? That's right. And to find yourself uh, up with all of us Norters, you know. <laughs> well, I love it. I adore living in Winnipeg. And actually, even more extremely, before we moved to Winnipeg, we were living in Sarasota, Florida. So oh, okay. It was uh, wow. from the tropics to the, to the tundra. Not really. It's not tundra. It's prairie. It's prairie, know. right? Yeah. But it's certainly we get a lot of minus thirty uh, days in the winter. And it, the the thing about I think any great urbanism and what you and I do all the time in in our city building efforts is uh, in you know walkable urbanism mitigates all extreme weather, whether oh, it's in y- Florida or right. in Winnipeg. No, you can't walk in outside. In, that's what I get all the time. Oh, people don't walk here. People don't. But you're in Winnipeg. And it's gore, it's gore. People walk all over the place. We're a one car family, and usually my husband's the person with the car. And so, uh, yeah, I cycle or take the bus or walk, you know, for all my daily needs. And it's great because it really integrates you into the society and into the community and, and makes you see things at a different speed. So, yeah. you know, 
as unfortunately you and I spend way too much time on airplanes. So we do, yeah. It's nice to be at that slower pace when you're at home. And so I adore Winnipeg for that reason. And also, I mean, I come to your metropolis by car at least once a year. We should. Probably Which one? Busy. Minneapolis? Yeah. See, I live two and a half hours north. I'm, I'm, I'm wow. even closer to you than, than you know. Yeah, yeah. We should do this more often probably, but. I, I wanted to make it up to Winnipeg <laughs> to see you and see your neighborhood and the whole thing. Yeah. Our city, especially with our new, very, uh, advanced sort of mayor, uh, I think could really love the strong town message. But I think that that, that walkability and livability that I love so much about Winnipeg, I have to also say this caveat, so when you do come to Winnipeg that you already know this, and that's the part of my city that's so beloved is the active core, and it's a small portion of the right. metropolis. So, right, You know, that's the, that's the downside. But, you know, since I only have a bike or a bus or, you know, on weekends a car, I never get outside that active core, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's very nice. I, I've been there a couple times. What is it... What, Talk a little bit about the, and this may be an unfair question, but the, the Canadian, do you see a difference between a, a, a truly Canadian city and a truly American city, or is that a, a difference without a distinction? There's a massive difference. Okay. And the, the most striking difference between Canadian cities and American cities is Canadian cities have not allowed the interstates to come into the city. And so they really have insisted that the roads change their character as they move through the rural to urban spectrum of the transect. And so, you know, requiring that change and being really firm about not letting it in. Now, the only, the only um, exception there is Toronto, of course, which does let the interstate uh, come, come into the heart of the city. And, you know... Not a big fan. I mean, I I don't want to badmouth Toronto because it's a, a nice city in many ways. But uh, like Montreal is gorgeous. Vancouver is incredible. I really like Winnipeg. I mean, I do. Quebec City. Yeah, I, I've never been, but Ottawa. I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, they are. I blog about each each of them actually. I'm I've, place I've shakers, seen that. So I love that. The other big difference between Canadian cities and American cities, is, you know, in the planning context, is America is all about. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and right. Canada is all about peace, brotherhood, and good government. So there is a little bit more top-down planning there, and a little bit more uh, kind of letting the professionals do what they professionally are trained to do. There's a little, little more little. deference for the professional knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, the other big difference is in uh, in Canada, we have way less form-based codes or their form-based development bylaws. And so, you know, unfortunately, uh, the top-down planning hasn't gotten that far into actually uh, making more even playing fields to enable well, livability top, top, by top, right. Top down, the, I mean, the downside to it always is it's orderly but dumb, right? It, <laughs> it's, it's slow to change right. and, and difficult. Uh, but once you lock in on something good, you can you can see some things through. Right. Yeah. Do you want to say anything negative about Susan, your sister? Because <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh, there she is. <laughs> I would never say anything negative. No, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> Susan Henderson, the queen of codes. Uh, yeah, no. Let, let's talk a little bit about about placemakers, okay. and I, let's focus first on place shakers because that's your that's kind of like your your outlet in the world that I work in. Mm-hmm. Um, th- can I can I make an observation, then you can react to yes, it? Yes, please. 
you guys uh, are 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 quality maybe over quantity in terms of the amount of blogging you do. But when you do it, it is good. I mean, I I I, lo- I, I love your stuff, and it's thoughtful, and it's thought provoking, and it's th- it's really good. Is that an intentional? I mean, what's the process you guys go through to to put this stuff together? Because this is very good. Thank you. That's great coming from you. And and every time you you pick us up, we're very grateful. So <laughs> whenever Place Shakers ends up on Strong Towns, we're we're delighted. Uh, so thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, but you know, I think we we try to commit to once a week every monday occasionally we fail at that we failed at that this week but uh, we'll make it up to you next week you know we all do sometimes <laughs> so every monday is is kind of our you know it's our saturday sunday one of us trying to step up to that plate and the interesting thing is you know there's never enough time to share all the ideas and for us that's part of what you started off with in in this podcast i think of, yeah. of that ability to try to take our wonk speak, you know, I'm an engineer like you and, right. uh, and uh, MBA in finance. And so, <laughs> so yeah. No, you've given, you, you know what you've given me? You've given me some hope that engineers can be kind of cool sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, that's one of my goals in life. Yeah, yeah. And, and so for me, that, that constant reaching out to a wider public. So we don't write place shakers for our fellow planners necessarily, although hopefully they find an occasional bit of inspiration there. But we really write it for the political leaders and the general citizens who want to make better places. And so, you know, that that process is almost like a cleansing process for, for us to de-wonk a bit yeah. and to really bring it to the street. Yeah. I think that's, uh, to me, that's, I think the brilliance of it is that it really, you're not trying to convince fellow engineers. Uh, if, if I'm, if I'm someone who cares about my city, I'm going to find value in, in what you do. Talk a little bit about placemakers now. I, 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 our friend Cade has joined you guys. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Cade Benfield, the voice for the landscape. Yeah. He is, um, you know, such a, an esteemed, fellow writer and blogger and uh, book writer as well and and I think Cade does such a great job of synthesizing as well so you know one of one of his great talents is also taking all the wonky studies and all the the disparate observations from around the globe and really making the case for how we can become a stronger society but also uh, better at preserving our our natural environment, and so his his insights are really, you know, something we all at placemakers aspire to. So having him as a, as a new placemaker as he retires from the National Resource Defense Council has been just something we're so grateful for and happy yeah. about. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you have done over the years, and and I described the story of how we met years ago. Um, <laughs> You've tracked uh, for the, the kind of the expansion of form-based coding across the country. This is something you guys are experts at at Placemakers. You, you've done some of the best ones in the country. Thank uh, you. No, it's, you, you have. I, I think this is what you're – I mean, I refer people to you all the time because you guys do fantastic work. It, it, you've tracked this. I didn't realize how far it had gone. Why don't you just elaborate a little bit on – the expansion of form-based coding, and maybe just for people listening, you, you need, give like a one-on-one on 
Yeah, thirty second third on form based coding itself sure. and why it's different. Well, you know, our most of North America is governed by these use based zoning and subdivision regulations that separate where we live from where we uh, work, learn, and re- and play and worship, and so and we've created these wide, fast roads to connect them all that have very low return on investment, both financially but also environmentally and socially. So the form-based codes try to mix those compatible uses into, you know, uh, neighborhood formats to allow people the possibility to walk to most of their daily needs. And so people are slowly returning to this sort of regulation in order to increase livability and reflect the market preference for walkability. Right. So, uh, But this is something that, uh, the way I came across it was trying to find an answer for why our current zoning was giving us such bad outcomes. And all of a sudden, here's you guys with the, the, the form-based codes and the, uh, the smart code and you know, saying, look, we can, we can assemble the same parts in a different way right. and have it turn out in a way better way for people. This was something when, when, when we first met and started, it was dozens of cities across the country. That's right. That's How many, right. what are we up to roughly now? Now we are actually up to, you know, f- over about 584 codes um, around the world that, that actually comply with form based code institute criteria. So that means all of the developer driven codes. Uh, are not on that list. So that list, that number would be a lot bigger if you look back to to the codes that aren't actually administered by the city. And 539 of those codes are actually in the U.S. So wow. clearly, you know, we started... More than a trend. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you get all the big city adopters like Miami and, and, and Denver and L.A. and... Uh, you know those those big cities, but really the small towns and villages were the people who were the early adopters of the form-based codes and were really helping to make it you know an open source, almost crowd crowdsourced tool. Yeah. How, how has the 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 work that you've done changed as kind of the momentum for what you do has grown as well? That's funny you should ask because now that. You know, form-based codes are, are written for over 45 million people around the globe. Obviously, the consciousness has changed. And so when, when I started that code study, uh, I had started it because people kept asking me over and over again, well, where is anyone using a tool like this? You know, it was such a rare thing. And now people are saying, you know, how quickly do you think I can adopt one and, and how quickly can I implement them? So one of the biggest things that have changed is People were initially using them for greenfield sites, and more and more you see people using them for infill as well as sprawl repair. And so really the usage, the user of form-based codes has morphed from a single developer into a much more holistic tool to really act like a request for investment, to really act like a business plan, to help a city really become its own master developer and say, look, this is what we want to do. Where would you like to be part of this? It's incredibly empowering, and I've I've... I've had the good fortune to, you know, be around sites where you guys are doing charrettes and things like that. And it it is incredibly powering for people who, in a normal situation, are almost helpless in terms of responding to development. Right. And and because of that helplessness, that's one of the big feeders, I think, of the whole not-in-my-backyard sort of 
feeling that you get in so many communities. In so many communities, when you first roll in on Charette Day 1, there's all sorts of dirty words that you're not allowed to say, lest you be run out of town. (laughs) Frequently, that includes apartment buildings or affordability or, you know, corner stores. All these are very, very negative things until you sit at a table together and start to develop a common language and, and start to draw what that might look like here and start to think about, you know, the value capture inherent in some of those walkable, connected, diverse sorts of places. You are a mom. <laughs> yes. And you have a beautiful son. Uh, I, I love, you know, one of the great things about social media and about being connected to people is that uh, you, can, you can grow to care for them and understand them even, even at long distances. And even when, you know, you and I might run into each other a couple times a year. Uh, as, an, as an engineer, you know, I have these two daughters. As an engineer, we tend to look at the world a little bit differently, right? And it's been very interesting to now watch it through the lens of not only an engineer, but the lens of, of a parent. And a parent who, I want my kids to be successful, independent, adventurous, live self-fulfilled lives. But a lot of the stuff I do as a, I did as an engineer or see fellow engineers doing kind of damp that down. Uh, What's your reaction to being a parent in a modern state with, uh, you know, the, the, the approach that we use to build cities? It's, it's interesting because it tests all my theories and, and thesis. You know, you mentioned my sister that, that this spring, as Roman got a new faster bike, you know, he got his first adult bike because he's really tall for 10 years old. Yeah. And so he was in this adult bike size small that's very fast and he as he's leaving the house in it you know so we went on a bunch of family rides at first to make sure he got the feel of it and then as he's leaving the house for the first time with his friends to go off explore our very walkable century-old neighborhood I'm actually on the phone with Auntie Susan who's saying just let him go do not follow him (laughs) as I know for sure he's getting ready to cross a slightly bigger faster road although it's still a two-lane and 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 very slow uh, street in general so I think that it tests my capacity to actually allow him to be a free-range child and the last child in the woods and really have a playborhood you know that that is open and accessible to kids and uh, the funny thing is we used to live downtown until he went into first grade and then we suddenly noticed that in our delight to find a downtown place to live we hadn't noticed that first grade was going to be not in our neighborhood and across a very big big street so so it was going to be very far away a very long walk in the winter and so we ended up moving from T five to T three. Okay, and so so from you know an urban core to a suburban sort of walkable but single family detached household. And it was funny because one of the the first the first or second week we were there, my then five year old turned to me and said, "But mom, I miss T five. <laughs> <laughs> now you know you're doing something either very right or very wrong. And my husband glared at me and said, "You've ruined him." <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. So, so they start; they do start to uh, pick up on our lingo, and uh, he has added. You know, we, we would go to have to go to the suburbs for a soccer match every now and then, and he would he and his friends 
sons of architects sitting in the back seat would be like, that's a snout house and that's an armpit house. And he, like, so they start making up all of these different names for suburban right. typologies. And right. It's, it's, it's funny to, to see what we say as adults reflected back at us. I, um, I, I'm embarrassed to say the same thing. <laughs> uh, I'm a, my, my daughters are 10 and 8. And they, they have to meet someday. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, we can um, do that. So we're so we're 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 driving, and we stop at a signal, and I get it, it's like every other signal that we wind up stopping. Oh, traffic signals are so dumb. They treat you like you're an idiot. <laughs> Why are we sitting here? And you know, I'm like, who are you people? Like, wh- wh- when did I program you to do this? I, I, you know, it's not like I sat and read to them at night and said, you know. Traffic signals are evil, um, but they 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 see this world magically through our eyes, don't they? They do. And Roman frequently says to me, you know, don't waste the earth, or <laughs> or why would we drive to that soccer game, Mom? It's just a fifteen minute bike ride. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, so it's it, fun. It, it gives you hope, right? Yes. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of times where the work that I'm doing. Uh, is depressing because we're telling cities like, look, you are a financial disaster and things are going to get really bad for a lot of people really soon. But then you look at this, this vast resource of really intelligent, thoughtful people coming up and it gives you a little bit of hope. I, at least it does for me. A lot of hope. And I, I love the way, you know, the schools have evolved since, since I was a kid and, you know, all of this feedback that they are allowed to immediately give into their experience and into their learning experience and uh, and the amount of voice that they that they have as 10 year olds and eight year olds and it's different and and, and very powerful yeah. I think uh, you have a, a busy rest of the CNU I want you to to uh, besides being a key part of our debate night tomorrow night, which is going to be a blast. Looking forward to that. Oh, I, you're you're so perfect for this. Um, you also have a big uh, dance party going on. I, I want do. to give you a chance to pump that because we're going to be pumping it tomorrow. And, Thank you. Yep. Much appreciated. I think that in in return for the debate night, my only charge to you was a uh, one dance on the dance floor. You you so. did you you actually tried to extract that a couple years ago, and I think I said yes, but then like chickened out or something at the end so we'll, yes i will this this time i will be a little bolder good so, so it's it's friday night at gadsby on main street just behind the adolphus hotel it starts at 10 yep. so you know after, after head on the over debates, after the debates would be yep. or, or the late the show are, who are staying for the late show will yeah. still be at it when when you're finished well so. i saw 2 a.m as a close down that's time. right that's that's when it closes i mean uh, you're very young looking. <laughs> I, I know you're my age. Yes. Um, 2 a.m. is starting to become a late time for me. I don't know if it is for you or not, but. You know, it's starting to get in that direction, <laughs> especially since on Saturday, Charles uh, Montgomery and I are doing a day long Happy City workshop. Oh, wow. So, uh, so you're really, uh, you're, you're really going to be burning it. Yeah. So that's okay. You know, there's, there's time to sleep later. Well, thank you for taking the time out of, I know it is a very busy schedule to come and chat with us. Um, let's make it a goal to, to meet up in Winnipeg. And uh, let's make it a goal to have our kids meet someday soon. That sounds great. And let's make it a goal to uh, to do a podcast again. Let me know when something big comes up and you want to chat. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Thank okay. you, Charles. Here's a Boris. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your CNU. You too.
they know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Oh, City! I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah. 